just for the opportunity. I pray that today you guys are ready to receive from the Lord. Amen. Anybody excited just about God? You know, I believe that um, God has been, been trying to speak to the church for the past four to five weeks, and he's given a, a word, amen, and we're just pressing forward in that word. Tell your neighbor, I'm pressing forward in that word. Pressing forward in that word. I want to preach to you today upon a message I've entitled, The Silence of the Lambs. Somebody tell your neighbor, have you been silent? Have you been silent? Esther, Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Turn with me in your Bibles. If you not have a Bible, sit next to a Christian. Praise the Lord. I'm just kidding because truthfully, Bibles aren't for church. They're for home. I won't get there either. I'll leave that alone. Brand new looking Bibles all over the church. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. I want you to keep on playing. Esther 4.14. Come on, before we read this, let's just pray real quick. I don't care what your purpose was for coming today. I know that God has a word for you. I don't care what your purpose was. I don't care if you came for, for a friend, for a baby dedication. I don't care what it is. I believe there's a reason as to why folks are here today. Amen. Esther 4.14. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we magnify you above all things. We extol your name, God. We just... We give you glory. We, we give you honor. You are in control of this service, God. God, I ask you to speak to every heart, to every ear, to every mind, God, that you might be glorified. I ask you to speak to every individual in this place. I ask you to speak into the hearts, into the minds of your people, God, that we may change and hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Esther 4.14. Mordecai writes to his niece, Esther, and he says this. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise up for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. All week long I was reading the word of God, reading the word of God. And usually I know weeks in advance what I'm going to preach. And this week was a little different because I had no idea. And I searched the word for days and days and days. And I could not receive nothing from the Lord. It wasn't until Friday evening, or rather Friday afternoon, I, I was sitting in the nursery because they have an AC in there. <clears throat> and I was sitting in the nursery instead of my Hellbox office. And I was sitting there and I began to just to read the scripture. And I started off in a totally different direction. And the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And said, I want you to look up the spirit of Amalek. And as I did that, the spirit of God began to really minister to me, really speak to my own life. And I began to take down these notes. And as I did, I went out for lunch. And as I went out for lunch, I got sick. I ate some bad food to the point where I could not finish my sermon. I haven't finished it. It's unfinished right now. I got so sick, I kid you not, that on, on Friday night, I went home at about 7.30, 8 o'clock. And until about 4 in the morning, non-stop, constant vomiting. To the point where my back was so tense, I could barely even get up in the morning. My, my neck, I came here yesterday with the fellas and I'm walking like this. I'm just stiff walking and trying to thank God for, for Charles Eller. He's a massage therapist. He came over and he, he gave me a massage. I didn't even ask him to. I just told him I was in pain. And we were talking about something else. And he goes, I've come over right now. And he came over. And I still, I went home, I took a nap, I woke up, and I even slept wrong on it again, and I, I messed it up even more. And I believe that everything that's happening to me at this point was a spiritual attack against the Word of God. You have to understand not just the natural responses, but the supernatural things that are happening. Because the Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities in high places. I believe that wherever there is great distraction, there's a potential for a great manifestation of God's glory. If you were to survey your life, 
and take into account what is transpiring all around you, we will be able to see that all around us, everything is being done to deter you as a believer. I was just in my office, and this morning I saw somebody wasn't here, and I texted them, and I said, two weeks in a row, are you all right? And they said, well, I'm in a bad mood. Then if I come to church today, I said, you don't realize that that attack on your marriage and attack on your finances and about your children is not about your marriage, your children, or your finances. It's about your servitude to God. And for the last two weeks, you've been losing it. Everything around us keeps you from fulfilling God's destiny in your life. Every distraction possible gets in our way. We have become so enchanted with chasing temporal things, we ignore the eternal things. Our eyes and our hearts are set on the comforts of life, and all around us, people of God are being silenced without ever putting up a fight. The passion of the gospel when you dies, and the race just to get to heaven begins, when God is not number one in sight. The majority of us here today are completely distracted as to God's purpose for your life. Every day I wake up, me, I wake up and I am driven to fulfill a purpose for God. I believe besides a life destiny, I have a daily destiny. And every day God has something for me to do. And some days I know I've done it. And other days I lay in bed and I, I sulk and I get saddened because I know I haven't done what God has called me to do that day. The average believer is oblivious that God made you for a purpose. And those who do understand God made them for a purpose still refuse to walk in it. And time after time, I ask the church, do you believe God has a purpose for you? Yes, yes, I know he does. Hallelujah. But we don't walk in it. So I'll preface this sermon by asking you four questions. Number one, what has gotten a hold of you that has silenced the gospel in you? The gospel being the good news of Christ. Number two, what has silenced your destiny? Number three, what has silenced your desire to push forward in fulfilling something greater for God? And number four, what holds you back? You've heard me say it before and I say it today again, that now is the greatest moment in your life. Right now, the now moment you live in is the greatest moment in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Your now has more power than your past and more promise than your future. The things God can do through you if you would act now are greater than what he could do for you if you wait for the right time that you think is right. If you act now, if you do what God tells you to do now, it'll be better than when you think you're prepared. Because when you prepare yourself, God doesn't have to show up. But when you do it unprepared, God shows up. When you do things in your own strength, in your own power, God doesn't have to show up. God's looking for a now people to rise up. Now people. Individuals who will do someone God's will now. Who will, who will lead the lost to Christ now on the street. People who want revival now. People who are ready to walk in purpose now. And people who are willing to put aside their will for God's will now. People. God wants you to operate in him now. He's looking for a generation of people to say, I'm not afraid. I'm ready. I'm ready to do God's will now. Not when I think I'm ready. Not when I think I have enough Bible under my belt. Not when I think I know enough scripture. But now, because right now, I am as powerful in God as I can ever be. Right now, I am as great in God as I can ever be. Tell somebody next to you, God's looking for somebody who's like, now. He wants it now. God wants it done now. Too many Christians are unable to operate in the now. Unable to operate in what God's plan is. People who can't live in the now end up hating their yesterday and destroying their tomorrow. You don't believe me, just ask Judas. He couldn't walk in the now of Jesus Christ, so he betrayed him. Because he wasn't, Judas did not think himself to be great enough to walk with Christ. And he saw the attraction of the world to be worth more. And so he sold our Lord and Savior for 30 pieces of silver. And then he got so depressed over his yesterday that he killed himself and ruined his tomorrow. If you can't live in the now, you will destroy your tomorrow because you hate your yesterday. You'll say, I should have, I should have, I should have, and God never used me because I never stood up. You don't believe me? Ask Samson. Look at Samson. The Bible clearly says in, in Judges uh, that he was born, that he would start the deliverance of the people of Israel. But Samson could not stay away from the sinful things of the world. He could not stay away 
from the lust of the flesh. And he destroyed his ability to deliver God's people from the hands of the Philistines. Because he couldn't harness the now. Because he thought he had enough time. He thought he had the rest of his life ahead of him. And, and when he thought that, just a year and a half later, he was dead. It wasn't Delilah that kept him. It was Samson that kept looking at Delilah. It was Samson that could not walk. It's not the sin. It's you not walking away from the sin. Don't blame the addictions. Don't blame the hardships. Look at that. It's you that cannot overlook them. It's you that cannot overcome them. It's you. And so Samson was rather comfortable in Delilah's bed as Judas was comforted by 30 pieces of silver. And the problem with comfort is the greatest danger to your destiny is your quest for comfort. For destiny commands you to walk discomfortably. But if you keep on looking for the comforts of the world, the best houses, the best cars, and all the best stuff in life, you're going to overlook the destiny God has for you. And it's not a sin to have the best things in life, but when that's all you look after, and that's all you work for, and that's all you do, your comfort will cost you your destiny in Christ Jesus. He's not called you to have the nicest everything and sit at home to enjoy it. That's the problem of having nice things. You always want to enjoy it. And you can't enjoy a nice 60-inch television while on the streets preaching the gospel. You can't enjoy the nice high-heeled shoes you got while preaching the gospel. That's uncomfortable. And so many times, the nice things we want put a demand on our time because they cost money and time is money. Every great inventor, every great entrepreneur, every great general, king or president, whoever lived, had to endure the ridicule and the discomfort in order to get to a place of success. Success is not comfortable. It's hard. It's arduous. In order to fulfill your God-given destiny, you have to walk in uncomfortness, you will not be able to be comfortable and be in God's presence. You will not be able to live a comfortable life and do the things that Christ did. Is there a problem in having a good life? No. But the good life can't replace the God life. If the good life replaces the God life, then you're off track. I have good things not because I deserve them, but because God gives them to me. Because I'm living the God life. We don't recognize that God says, seek first the kingdom, and then I'll add these things to you, Matthew 6, But we seek everything else, and then as they come, that after we've worked for them, we lie to ourselves and say, God's been good to me. God's been good to me. So we keep on working that hard, never having time for God, always having time for our stuff, because our, our God turns into money or to our job or whatever else we're doing. Is that making sense? And so we put God's fingerprints on our blessings that we call blessings that end up cursing you because you have no time for God. Esther 4.14, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, everyone's heard this line, that you were called to such a time as this. Let me give you a background. Esther is here. Esther is a captive in, in Persia. She, she is under the rule of King Xerxes. The, one, the king actually is the greatest king in the world at the time. She was brought from her home city. Or her family, rather, was brought from a home city. And they were sent all to this city. Taken all from Israel and transplanted. And here she is. And in that time frame, the, the king excommunicated his wife and began to look for another queen and to make a long story short, she entered into this, so to speak, competition at the time and won, and she became the queen. This slave, captive girl, this, this girl that was in a foreign land, had the favor of God, and she became, somebody say, the queen. Now this man, Haman, the Bible describes him as an Agite. This man, Haman, an Agagite, was actually an Amalekite. If you look at the Bible... And you read about the Amalekites, Israel was at odd, odds with the Amalekites. The Amalekites had attacked the Israelites in their weakness and without provocation. In the original 613 misfots of the law of Israel, three were in reference to the Amalekites. God commanded that Israel never forget the Amalekites. 
God said in Deuteronomy Exodus 17, 14, that I will blot the Amalekites out of the name of history. During the Feast of Purim, when the, when the story of Esther is read and celebrated, when the name Haman comes up, all the Jews in the house will begin to make a noise. And the reason is so that the name Haman, the Amalekite, will not be heard, and they will keep the command of God to blot out his name. Somebody say Haman. We're talking about a deep-seated hatred that Haman had. Israel had tried to completely eradicate this nation off the face of the earth. But little did Haman know God had put a watchman over his people in Esther. Little did Haman know he had not realized that God stuck a refugee into the palace and dressed her as a queen. Human, or rather Haman, didn't realize there was an unassuming, unanointed lioness in the midst of his people. He did not know that God had placed someone there. Who was Haman? Haman was an Amalekite. Who was an Amalekite? I'll tell you. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob, he tricked his brother into selling him his birthright. And so Esau had a son named Eliphaz. Eliphaz had a son named Amalek. And Amalek was the father of the Amalekite nation. And Amalek was jealous of Jacob because he had all the blessings of God that Esau's family was supposed to have. Esau sold his eternal blessing for a temporary appetite. Kind of like some of us, we trade off the eternal blessings of God for a temporary appetite of chasing the things of the world. And so, when we say the spirit of something, I mentioned earlier the spirit of Amalek. It's not that this man's spirit is here over us, but it's the spirit that manifested in the man. Does that make sense? So you have the spirit of Jezebel. It's not her, it's the spirit that first made appearance in her in the Bible. You have the spirit of Delilah, all these different spirits. And so this is the spirit of Amalek that will attack the people of God in their weakness. When Israel left Egypt, Exodus 17, they had just finished building the golden calf. God judged them, 3,000 people died. And now the Bible says they're leaving that section, they're leaving that area. And they began to complain against God. And they were angry at Moses. They began to speak against Moses. At this same exact time, the Amalekite nation came and attacked the Israelites. I need you to walk with me here. The moment Israel began to complain, it was a spiritual invitation to the Amalekites to come and attack them. They were weak and had journeyed a long time, and they were headed for the promised land. They were weary and began to complain, and this nation of Amalek attacked them. Every time you're weak and you're feeling tired, you invite the spirit of Amalek to attack you. Is anybody here with me today? The spirit of Amalek often uses the people to attack the leaders. The entire nation of Israel began to desire to go back to Egypt because they hated Moses now. And the spirit of Amalek began to make the prison of Egypt look better than the promised land of Canaan. It was the spirit that came upon Israel while they were tired and weary. You're going to hear me say that over and over. When you get tired of God, when you get tired of church, when you get tired of people, the spirit of Amalek will come upon you and begin to give you thoughts that are not your own. Is anybody here today? When you are tired and weary and you begin to complain against God, you open the door for this spiritual attack against your life. Through your negative speech, you come in agreement with this spirit. The people of Israel began to talk about stoning Moses. So the followers began to attack the leader. There's nothing like need to test commitment because need always tests commitment. As long as the people had everything they needed, the commitment to Moses and God was great. But the moment you don't have something you need, your commitment to God is gone. And they began to talk about the man of God. They began to talk bad about God himself. There wasn't enough provision in the camp. Everyone was not happy anymore. They were so distracted, they were caught off guard in this battle. The spirit of Amalek is present in the church today. It distracts you from your destiny as it tried to distract Israel from the wilderness. He will attack you in your weakness and make you weary and worn out. The spirit of Amalek hates any purpose-driven believer, and he will try to blot out your destiny the way God desires to blot out his name. 
The Amalekites are part of the reason Israel was afraid to enter the promised land. You thought you were dealing with just being tired, but you're dealing with the spirit of Amalek. You're not wary. You're dealing with the spirit that is trying to attack your destiny. You can't even maximize your time, and you're disorganized. But it's not you. It's an attack on your destiny. You're distracted, and you don't care about God's destiny for you. But it's not you. It's an attack on your destiny. Satan will do anything to attack your destiny. And this is what the Bible calls the spirit of Amalek. It'll attack you when you're weak and deceive you. The hardest job of any evil spirit to do is to begin to make you believe those thoughts he's planting in your mind are your own. And it takes a little bit of time for him to do that. He begins to feed you lie after lie. Lie after God's not with you. God doesn't care about you. Problems at home. Problems in the marriage. Problems in the money. Problems with the kids. Problems everywhere. That's not God. God's not with you. You're, you're sick in your body. God's not with you. You're having trouble here, trouble there. God's not with you. Car breaks down. God hates you. Water turned off. God hates you. AC broke down. God hates you. And after a while, you begin to believe, man, God, can I not get a break? I'm trying to serve you right, but nothing seems to go my way. That's not you. That's a spirit of Amalek because your spirit by nature loves God. And when you begin to feel hatred or bad thoughts towards God and begin to speak negatively and to begin to complain against God, that's not you because that is not in your spirit. That is in your flesh and that is the spirit of Amalek. It desires to isolate you from your destiny and keep you super busy because this spirit is afraid of you being purpose-filled and will stop at nothing to hinder you. I don't know about you, but I desire to be a destiny walker in my life. The spirit of Amalek will strike fear in you, depression, anxiety, marital issues, financial troubles, anything it can do to distract you and attack you from what God has created you to do. It feeds off of your weakness. It feeds off of your rebellion. It feeds off of your bitterness, your complaining, your muttering. It feeds off of it. You thought you couldn't pray. You thought you couldn't read the Bible. That's not true. It's a spirit of Amalek you've allowed to dwell in your heart that stops you from searching God. Amalek attacked Israel on the way to the promised land. It's a good thing because, because the, con- the, the confrontation announces the confirmation that God has a destiny for you. If you're being attacked in your body, you should be excited because God has a destiny for you. If you feel an attack in your spirit, it's because God has a purpose for you. Wherever there is confrontation, that is confirmation that God has a purpose for you. This spirit will do anything to keep you from destiny. You thought it was just an issue at home, but I'm telling you, it's a demonic attack against your life. Designed to silence you and your destiny, to make you okay with going back to the sins of your life, to keep you weak. Satan doesn't care if you're in church as long as you're weak. The spirit of Amalek will will make you not only listen to gossip about church, it'll make you start gossip about church. Beware of the spirit that suppresses your destiny and makes your progress with, with God slow. That's the problem in Bridgeport. God revealed to me Friday, there's a spirit of Amalek all over the body of Christ in Bridgeport. They cannot progress to the promised land. They're trapped in a proverbial wilderness, a desert, because they refuse. They refuse to stop muttering against me. They're attacked in their weakness. They're scattered. They're disorganized. And God says, I desire to move in the city, in the state of Connecticut, but I cannot. Because it's a spirit of Amalek, a spirit of slow progress the actual the actual saying the motto of Connecticut I can't say it in the original Latin but I'll say it in English he he what no 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 he who supplanted us will sustain us I don't know if you know what that means he God who supplanted us out of, out of England. I don't know if you get the reference there. England was the Egypt for us. We were, Connecticut was part of the Mayflower Compact. The pilgrims came here. Before it was even called Connecticut. And before they even hit the dry land, they made a compact, history tells us. And they made an agreement. Not a political agreement, a religious agreement. But he who supplanted us 
out of Egypt, England, he will sustain us here. The same one who ripped me out from where I belong will sustain me here. That is the birthright of Connecticut. That is the birthright of our state that God will sustain us. That God will provide. That God will strengthen you. That God, when you're feeling weak, he's going to manifest in your life. That is your birthright. If you were born here, I'm telling you today, that is your birthright in Christ Jesus. He who supplanted you will sustain you. He who took you out of the world will keep you plugged into the church. He who drove you out of sin will strengthen you in his son. But Amalek desires to destroy this. He always attacks from behind. He always attacks from behind and tries to come and bring up all the past things in your life. And so he starts off from behind and tries to end up in front. He'll do anything to stop your destiny. Beware that this spirit suppresses destiny. God desired in Exodus 17, 14 to blot out that name. All he desires to do is, is just tire you out. You're not tired of praise and worship. That's the spirit of Amalek. It's not that you don't want to be an usher anymore. It's that you're getting tired and weary. Because you begin to let the spirit of Amalek dwell in you. It's not that you don't want to be in the sound booth no more. It's the spirit of Amalek coming over you trying to stop you. It's not that you don't want to go to church anymore. It's the spirit of Amalek coming over you trying to, trying to depress you. And every time you're weak in God. Every time, you, every time Israel was weak, this army popped up out of nowhere. Distracted, disenchanted are words to describe today's believers. A sinful, a sinful disobedient, and rebellious spirits are signs of Amalek. When you're feeling weak, when you're feeling like you can't make it no more, you need to get into a crowd of believers for the spirit of Amalek is out to isolate you and catch you from behind. The spirit of Amalek always goes after the weakest people in the group. The Bible says in 1 Peter, I believe it is, I believe it's in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Talking about how a lion hunts, and the way a lion hunts is never hunts alone. Lions hunt in packs of three, four, and six. And they gather around and they look after and they look to see the weakest member of the herd. They look for the baby members in the herd and they'll go after that small one and they'll start a stampede and all the animals will run in one direction and the small and the weak ones cannot run as fast and they're the ones to be devoured. What's the apostle saying? He's saying that when the devil attacks, he starts a stampede in the church, and what he's trying to do is see who runs the slowest. See who's at the back of the line, and you who runs slowest will be attacked first. Somebody say it's the spirit of Amalek. Satan will do anything to silence your destiny. The spirit is out to isolate you from your destiny, to destroy you, to make you feel disconnected, to make you feel like you're not a part of something. He'll do anything to stop you. Esther deals with this issue. She's at hand. She's forced to take action. And Mordecai says to her, it's best that maybe God positioned her in this location at this certain time for this very purpose. And the same goes to you today. I believe God has placed you in this place, in this time, in this city, in this state for a reason. Amen. Esther knows that even to go before the king without his calling her could mean certain death. No one entered the king's presence without an invitation. And if they did and they went into his presence and he didn't accept them, they would immediately be killed. She understood this Haman was manifested the spirit of his ancestors, the spirit of Amalek. She could die for trying to fulfill this destiny God created her for. But she's not okay with just being the queen. You can't be okay with just being saved. You can't be okay thinking you have a safe passage. You can't be okay with that. She was queen. Highly doubtful she would have died. She was queen. Maybe her father's house would have died, but even Mordecai said, maybe you're going to die. It was highly doubtful she would die, but she knew her people would die. Maybe you might get to heaven, but your family's not on their way to heaven. Maybe you might get there, but your church isn't there. Maybe you might get there, but your coworkers are going to go to hell. 
God's saying you cannot be comfortable not speaking out the message of deliverance to the world. She was not happy with just being a queen. I've told you so many times you're the answer to the problems in your neighborhood and the communities and society today. Long ago, uh, rather long have I looked for this reason why we cannot move out of this place in the city of Bridgeport. And I believe with all my heart, they call New England the graveyard of pastors. You've heard that before. I believe with all my heart it's because they get tired and weary. They get tired and weary and don't push forward. How many of you, come on, be honest with yourself, throughout the week, throughout the month, you get tired. Tired of doing what you do for the Lord. Tired of coming to church. Tired, tired, tired. You always feel weak. You always feel weary. You always feel this. You always feel that. And then you begin to think of better, better ways to do things. And you start, you start arguing with people. You start arguing with folks at your job, arguing at home. You're always touchy. You're always ready to blow up. And you're just tired of life. I came today to tell you, that's not who God created you to be. Mordecai makes it a point, though. He tells us something powerful. He said, listen, in other words, I'll paraphrase it. He says, listen, God has a purpose for Israel. That purpose will remain. When that day comes that all the Israelites were to be killed, Haman was able to get the king to agree on one day all the Israelites would be killed. That's what the law was. That's what she had to go over there and try and fight for her people. He said, if you don't do something, God's going to save me from some other way. God's going to save me, whether it's through somebody else or whether through an all-out war. Whatever God has to do, he's going to save you. But, but, maybe this is why God created you. Maybe this is why God put you in the place you're in, in the palace, as the queen of the most powerful man in the world. Maybe God has placed you in this city in this time for a reason. I came here to tell somebody today that the destiny God has created for you is yours to fulfill. But if you don't step up to the plate, God's going to raise up another to take your place. Haman said it so powerfully, now is not the time to be silent. Now is not the time to walk away from the Lord. Now is not the time to not do God's will. Some of you have been straddling the fence way too long. Straddling through sin, some maybe because of indecision, others because of lack of faith. But God is pressing you to act now on your destiny. Realize the time is now, and if we don't do it, he'll raise up another church. God has chosen you to be the watchman for this generation. It's an amazing thing. I was reading the scripture of the watchman this week. I was preparing to do a sermon based on the watchman. The watchman of the city watching over the gates. And, and a couple days later after I researched that scripture, a pastor, he's a friend of mine. I rarely ever talked to him. He's from Bridgeport. He texts me and says, man of God, God told me to tell you he's raised you up as a watchman over the city for this generation, for this cause, for this moment in history. And I could not believe the confirmation God gave me so quickly. God's called you to be a watchman over your communities, over your neighborhoods, over. you got to stop doing radical stuff. Get out on your streets and just begin to pray. It don't matter where you live. It don't matter what your neighborhood looks like. You should get out there and pray. At some point, somebody say, what are you doing? I see you walking around every time, every night at about 830. What are you doing? Oh, I'm praying for the neighborhood. Want to come? I'm talking about being a real radical world changer and stop hiding inside of your home and inside of your church and get out there in the streets and begin to do something because now is the time now is not the time to be silent it's the time to speak up I believe we're here for a purpose I like how Reinhard Bonnke said it I heard it at the conference I went to a couple of weeks ago he said why would I purr like a kitten when I could roar like a lion why would I be silent in my faith when God has given me a purpose? Revival is here. God desires to do it now. We told the leadership last week, right before Sunday service, we told them, we told them the birth pains don't bring the baby. The baby brings the birth pains. And as we've heard it put recently, prayer does not bring revival. Revival brings prayer. 
And so because we're motivated to pray, it lets me know revival is already here. All we have to do is cultivate it. All we have to do is work on it. All we have to do is push this thing out. All we have to do is seek God and begin to step out in faith. Somebody tell your neighbor, you got to step out in faith. It's time you got lost in the presence of God, lost in his word. It's high time you recognize this is not the time to be lukewarm or apathetic in your faith. For a day comes when God will deal with those who are growing cold. But if you're feeling weary and tired and weak, begin to rebuke that spirit of Amalek off your life. That is not God's will for you to be tired. It is not God's will for you to be weak. It is not God's will for you to be apathetic. It is not God's will. God has called you to be strong in the faith. God has called you. All of hell trembles under the footsteps of a purpose-filled believer. God is looking for destiny walkers and promise talkers who will speak his word and walk in his destiny. God is looking for them. People that will chase after him with their entire heart. You are a watchman. You are who God needs right now. You are the solution to the issues. You are. Mordecai tells Esther, you've been called for a time as this. Esther, this is your time. And if you don't step up, somebody else will. I don't know about you. I'd hate to be the man to get to heaven and say, man, I got here. I got here. But I got here empty-handed. I'd hate to be the man to go to heaven and heaven's supposed to recognize me as Pastor Lewis, the soul winner. And I just show up as Pastor Lewis. I'd hate to be the person, I'd hate to be the person to go to heaven and, and to supposed to be Pastor Carmen, the revivalist, but just come up as Pastor Carmen and have the angels ask me what happened. I'd hate to go into heaven and to be Jesenia the worshiper, but only be known as just Jesenia. Because I failed to complete my destiny in Christ Jesus. I failed. I'd hate to be the person to make it to the gates of heaven unaccomplished. Your life is so much greater than what you're living right now. Your life is not about going to work, waking up, raising your children and going to sleep, coming to church on Sundays. Your life is greater than that. And you've got to look at the big picture. The big picture is you changing lives for God. The only difference between you and people who change people's lives for God is you haven't tried it yet. God desires to change people through you. Scripture tells us, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Come on, stand with me. Come on, every head, body, every eye closed. I believe with all my heart in this season physically, meaning summertime, is a time where Satan really dwells on the people of God the most. I believe right now in this summertime is where the people of God are attacked the most in your faith. How many of you know that truly in all your heart, you're tired, you're weary? Not because something someone has done, just life, not, not physically tired, emotionally drained. Come on, let's bow our heads. Emotionally drained. Emotionally feeling the strain of this world, the strain of life. Feeling like you can't take another step. Feeling like God has abandoned, like God cannot do it. Come on, that's you today. We came to expose the spirit of Amalek. We came to expose the spirit of weakness. We came to expose this lying spirit that tells you you don't have a call in God, that tells you you cannot make it, that you cannot do it. It tells you that you're not worth nothing. You just should live your life and do nothing and just sit in the church and do nothing. But God says, no, no, I've called you for a purpose. I've called you for a mighty destiny in me. I've called you for something greater. And what I need you to do right now, God says, is draw closer to me. For when you draw close to me, I draw close to you. And when you come to me, I come after you. He said it in 2 Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name would just humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will come from heaven. I will heal their land. 
Come on, if you know our city needs a healing from God, I dare you to raise your hands right now and begin to say, God, we need you in this city, God. We need you. It's not about me right now. That spiritual attack you're going through, it's not about you. It's about your destiny. It's not your stress at home. It's not that you don't have a job. It's not your child. It is a spiritual attack against your destiny. You are under attack, and the devil will do anything he can to silence the lamb, to silence God in you, to silence the gospel. All across the city, there is a silencing of the lambs, a silencing of God's people. God has called you to roar like a lion. God has called you to stand up like a titan of the faith. God has called you not to stay quiet, not to play the bench, not to be on the sidelines. God has called you. God has called you for this day, this time, this age. God has called you. God has called you. God is looking for you to be a destiny walker. You're not tired. You're dealing with a spiritual battle. You don't feel like giving up. You've been overcome by a spirit of weakness. You're not hopeless. You're not lost. You're not dying. It's a spirit. It's a spirit that is set upon your life. It is hell-bent on destroying your destiny. It is hell-bent on keeping you tired. It is hell-bent on keeping you wary. You used to love the things you did for God, but now you can't stand them. That's not you. That demon has begun to make you think his thoughts are your own. God desires to use you. God desires to use you. Come on. If there's anybody here today, you're telling me, Pastor, I've been feeling weary. Come on. I want to meet you at the front as the pastors and the ministers pray for you. Come on. You're saying, I'm weary. I'm weary. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling like I can't do what God has called me to do. I don't care if you're an usher. I don't care if you're a sound booth. I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher. Wherever you are, whoever you are, if you're feeling weary, now's the time. Now's the time. If you're feeling tired, now's the time. Come on, come on. The north, the south, the east, the west, God says he's going to move his spirit from all over. From all over. Come on, press in, press in, press in. I've been feeling tired, God. I feel like I can't make it. Maybe I feel like this isn't for me anymore, God. But I know, God, that is not you.
bow your heads. Come on, not even looking around. I believe with all my heart, there's just a few more of you. If you're tired and you're weary, just right where you're at, just begin to tell God, God, I need you more than ever. God, I, I've been struggling, I've been running. God, I need you more than ever. I need you more than ever, God. I need you more than ever, God. Now's the time to give up. Now's the time to press forward, to push on. We need you more right now, Holy Spirit. Father God, we need you more. We need you more, Father God. Come on, if you need to just lift your hands and tell them, I need you more, God. I need you more, God. That's right, that's right. Tell them. Come on, lift it up. the worship team afterwards just sing this song from the top if you gotta go after we pray you can leave this is your final dismissal but if you want to stay and just worship for a few more moments they're gonna sing that song over but I believe what God is trying to stick into your life is the spirit of strength God is trying to let you know that he desires he desires to use you you've never gone too far for God to use you you've never done too much that God can't use you God desires you. God desires to love you. God desires to care about you like no one has before. Come on as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just keep on speaking to your people, Father God. For God, our heart's desire is to draw nearer to you, God. God desires that you would be glorified in our lives, God. Not on Sundays, God, but in our lives, God. God, that we would not be tired. We would not be weak, God. But God, that we would come against the enemy in our own mouths, God. That we'll speak that devil out of our lives. We'll speak that spirit off of us, God. You've not called us to stand in defeat, but you've called me to rise up in victory. You've not called me to die by the wayside, but God, you've called me to be a mighty warrior. 
God, you've called us, God. And so, God, as I leave this place, I don't want to leave your presence, God. And I ask you to strengthen me, God. I ask you to strengthen me this week, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, if you got to go, just make yourself out that back door quietly. Praise and worship to stay this from the top.